Hey, everybody. This is Dr. Chris Griffin, and welcome to this week's podcast. Uh, a dental headline for this week, I will tell you guys, uh, I was opening an email this week, and something popped up in my email that I believe is going to affect every every one of us to some degree. And so let's talk about that today. Um, so I was, you know, I was just minding my own business, opening up my AGD Today email. And the top story back on January 18th was um, new requirement to give good faith estimates may affect dentists. Okay. And uh, the AGD was reporting on an article that was originally written in Becker's Dental Review. Um, but AGD says in this article that under the No Surprises Act that went into effect January 1st, good faith estimates for the cost of care must be given to uninsured and self-pay customers. Uh, the act give, gives consumers new billing protect, protections called good faith estimates when getting emergency care, not emergency care from out-of-network providers and at in-network facilities, uh, then air ambulances and stuff like that. If dental coverage is classified as one of the categories of service that good faith, good faith estimates apply to, dental components may be affected. With this in mind, the article shared seven things dentists should know. So I said, okay. Uh, well, let's find out about this because you know how the government is. Things are always confusing, more confusing than they should be. And I'm sitting here wondering, um, okay, estimates. Yeah, we give people estimates. We've always done that. So what exactly is required here? So um, so I go to the article, Becker's Dental and DSO Review. There's an article January 18th by Riz Hatton. And uh, so the seven things that Riz says that we should know as dentists are the good faith estimates applied to uninsured and self-pay consumers who are visiting a private dental office. Uh, it applies to uninsured and self-pay consumers, uh, and they are entitled to good faith estimates when requesting the estimate or scheduling a service. Uh, it applies to providers or facilities. They must provide good faith estimates in writing after request within three business days. We're going to talk in a little bit about how this boils down for us. Okay. I'm just reading the facts right now. Um, number four, no side of service is exempt from the good faith estimate. Uh, that is no, uh, number five, private dental offices are included, but they aren't mostly affected by the law's protections against balance billing because dental benefits are accepted benefits, EX accepted benefits. So, you know, government language, I'm not exactly sure what accepted benefits are. Uh, if the bill exceeds a good faith estimate by $400, the individual, now this is what we don't want to hear, the individual could initiate a patient provider dispute resolution, a PPDR, a new four-letter word for us to worry about, uh, a PP, PPDR process. Okay, not exactly sure who the agency is, but We'll maybe we'll figure that out. Um, and the lastly, the good faith estimates don't apply to customers with programs such as Medicaid, Medicare, Indian Health, uh, VA, or Tricare because they already have protections against surprise bills. All right. So Becker's, it looks up here in the in our, they got their information from the ADA. So I said, okay, well, let's go see what the ADA has to say about this. So I go over to the ADA website. And on January the 13th, Jennifer Garvin wrote an article called ADA Explains How No Surprises Act Could Affect Dentists. 
Okay. Um, and she goes on to say uh, basically everything the Becker's article said. Uh, and they say as of um, that, that what she had said that we've just read out is based on the current rules as of January the 14th. If anything changes, the good old ADA will let member dentists know. And you know what it says on here too, we're not supposed to tell the non-member dentists what they, what we got told. I'm, I'm totally joking. No, it does say that though. The ADA will let member dentists know. So anyway, I don't know if they're going to keep it away from you guys who are not uh, ADA members or not. Um, um, she goes on here to say a few, a few other interesting points um, that, uh, that the separate requirements of the law for transparency of healthcare costs and the requirements related to the patient provider dispute resolution process. Man, I'm not going to like saying that uh, or having to put up with it. Do apply to uninsured consumers who visit a private dental office um, and are required to be given to those uninsured or self-pay consumers who request the estimate or, and this is a big or, guys, big or. This really affects us more than any other word in the whole three articles or schedules a service. Okay. And it, and then the agency who will be uh, monitoring this, it looks like is the centers for Medicare and Medicaid services, which is odd because it just said that this law did not apply to patients who were already Medicare or Medicaid people, but now the center of Medicaid and Medicare services are governing us on this, which is odd too, because you know, in the vaccine mandate, um, private dental offices are not required to have the vaccine for all of our employees because supposedly we're not under the purview of centers for Medicare and Medicaid services, even if we see Medicaid or Medicare people. So once again, it's all confusing, but I'm telling you that or is going to come into play. So, so I said, okay. Um, and she goes on here again, and she says uh, a paper or printable electronic copy of the good faith estimate is required, and an uninsured individual or self-pay could initiate the PPDR process if their if their actual bill charges exceed the good faith estimate by at least four hundred dollars. Okay, so. Now, this is something, uh, if you've listened to me for very long at all, I have preached this for a long time. So um, when I do my, I don't really do any practice management courses anymore, but for 10 years when I did them, we were big on, uh, we were big on having um, what we call our orange card filled out. Now, our orange card, half of the card, the left side of our orange card was for the procedure to keep things running smoothly. Okay, it's the back people telling the front office, hey, here's what we're about to do. The front office would take the right side of the card and fill out the money part and then go over it with the patient, have them sign it. But we didn't always give a copy. We would just keep this on file. And if they asked for a copy, we'd give it to them. But we didn't always automatically give it to them. But it looks to me like with this new law, unless we do it same day, and probably even if we do it same day, um, we're going to have to give them a physical copy. So that's, that's new. It's not a big deal. Uh, you can also spit these things out from your dental software. However, I will point this out, and I've said this forever and ever from my classes. Um, some of you guys need to do some cleaning up in your dental software programs because when we would go in and we would coach dental offices uh, in Dentrix or EgoSoft, whatever, there are a lot of artifacts in people's treatment plans. So you're going to confuse a lot of people 
if you've got 14 old fillings from 10 years ago that never got done or got done somewhere else or an old root canal and the tooth's been pulled since then or whatever, and it's still on the sheet of paper, it's a little more difficult to pull a treatment plan just for this one day's worth of procedures. That's why we always did the manual, uh, manual treatment plan orange card and then entered it into Dentrix later which is fine. Use the software guys. Fine. I'm just telling you, you're going to have a lot of artifacts if you don't watch it. And those artifacts, while you're trying to comply with the government are going to give you an opportunity to hurt your case acceptance rate, because it's just a fact of life. When you're confused, you don't, you don't know what to do. A lot of times you don't accept treatment and uh, you go home, you talk to people, they don't know what they're talking about. They convince, they convince the person either to go somewhere else, or just not get it done altogether or life happens. The, you know, the, the wife gets home and the husband around these parts is something like the wife gets home and said, Hey, I need a crown. The husband's like, Hey, I've already got that money planned on a bass boat. It's nearly spring. So forget about it. Um, so, you know, anything that hinders you being able to do stuff quickly and efficiently, is going to hurt your case acceptance percentage. So I don't like that. And this is, you know, this is just Uncle Sam, a little more, just something else. It maybe it doesn't seem like that big a deal, but good grief. I mean, how many, how many times has this been a problem for dental offices that we're just like sticking people with a bill after we do something? Um, I, I, I don't do that. I've always like, I've really coached other people and tried myself to really diagnose just super thoroughly. Okay. When you do that, and you're going to get pretty close to everything they need. And, you know, of course, you know, of course, sometimes you're going to have a, 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 a cavity close to the pulp or something, you know, and you're going to hit the nerve just once every blue moon. That's, that's nothing you can do about that. You can't really, you could, I guess you can just go ahead and say, Hey, here's the price for the filling or the crown. If we hit the nerve, here's the other price, including the root canal. I don't like that either. Cause I'm 99% of the time, not going to hit that nerve. If I don't think I will. But, you know, it just causes more complication for us. But it looks like we're really going to have to watch our P's and Q's, get our uh, initial diagnosis very, very close, and get the money very, very close. Because if it's over $400, we get that four-letter word, the process filed by the individual if they want to. Um, that's another good reason, hey, always have a good relationship with your patients, okay? Because your friends are probably not going to call the federal government on you. So um, anyway, so just looking for a little more clarification, I went ahead and just to get the, uh, you know, get the the straight from the bull's mouth here, um, I went to the cms.gov website. And so I found there... This actually, uh, cms.gov slash capitalized CCIIO slash resources slash regulations and guidance. You guys are probably not going there, but it, if you just Google guidance, good faith estimates, CMS, I'm sure it'll take you here. So it's, it's a, it's, they have a frequently asked questions page. Okay. So I'm just scrolling to see what applies to us. Cause you know, a lot of this applies to regular hospitals, physicians, stuff like that. And there is a surprise billing problem in this country. Um, having just had a, um, an in-law, you know, pass away, I will tell you that it does not help the feelings of the daughter um, when bills keep rolling in uh, for, you know, it doesn't, it, the money's not even important. It's just 
people that were never in the room and you get a bill and it just brings back bad memories. And I, I, I don't like surprise billing. I agree. It's there's a problem. There's a problem. I don't know where all this money goes to hospitals. And I don't even know how to, because I don't think physicians are getting rich. Um, but anyway, once again, good for us getting lumped in with the old mean physicians, right? So, uh, we're at the frequently asked questions page. So let's go through this and see if it tells us any more information. Um, when's it going to affect January 1st of this year? So for three weeks, I've already not been doing this, but I'll start doing it Monday. Um, okay. That doesn't apply to us. That doesn't, the providers or facilities need to provide GFEs. That's good faith estimates to all individuals with Medicare, Medicaid. The answer to that is no. Okay. This is a good one. Do providers need to provide GFEs to individuals who have insurance, but do not seek to have a claim for such item or service submitted to their plan or coverage? Okay. So it says the answer, always a little confusing. An uninsured individual is one who is not enrolled in a group health plan or group or individual health insurance coverage or a federal health care program. Uh, a self-pay individual is one who is enrolled in, but not seeking to have a claim submitted to their group health insurance. So I don't know if that uh, for us, is that like someone who, you know, they want some veneers or something cosmetic and we just know their insurance is not going to pay. Um, or, you know, another good question, what if they're already maxed out? It doesn't address that because this is really for physicians. So they don't really think, you know, dental benefits are not exactly insurance, right? They're just benefits. So once again, we got snared in the, we're like a dolphin in the tuna net here. Um, okay. Uh, providers are required to provide GFEs to uninsured or self-pay individuals. So, uh, when inquiring about whether an individual is enrolled in a plan or coverage, facilities may wish to consider discussing with the individual whether there are situations where the individual expects the plan or coverage may not provide coverage for certain items or services. It doesn't tell us what to do. It just says maybe we should ask them if there's a situation where the individual doesn't think they're going to pay for it. It doesn't say what to do there. So, the answer, though, is, th is this. If they have insurance but aren't going to use it, they're considering them self-pay and they are required to get a GFE. So a written, uh, you know, photocopied software produced, handed to them actual on paper copy, or you can do it electronically. Um, that probably opens up another can of worms. All right. So um, we'll talk about that in a minute. So the next question, do providers or facilities need to provide G GFEs to individuals who have insurance and are seeking to have a claim submitted to their insurance. So this is people, they have insurance. Yeah, they're going to use it. So let's just get, let's get all confused. I don't even know where this came from. So we've been dealing with CMS. This is on CMS.gov. And we read earlier where the centers of Medicaid and Medicare are in charge of this, I guess. But now the answer says HHS health and human services has not yet issued rulemaking related to the provision of GFEs for individuals who are enrolled in a plan and are seeking to have the claim submitted. Until rulemaking to fully implement this requirement to provide such GFEs to a plan is adopted and applicable, HHS will defer enforcement of the requirement 
that the provider provide the GFE to individuals enrolled in a plan or coverage and are seeking to submit a claim for that service. So, okay, if they have insurance, but they don't want to use it, or I'm going to go out and say if they have insurance and they know it's not going to pay, like if we know it's not going to pay, I guess we got to do it. Seems like. I'm not 100% on that, but seems like. If they have insurance, but the, and they are going to use it, it appears we don't have to do it. Okay, that's weird. But it really, I don't know if it really means that or if it just means for some reason they're deferring to HHS on this and HHS just hadn't ruled on it. So I guess down the road, like the ADA said, they will tell their members what HHS decides. Okay. All right. And then the next one, this applies to us too, guys. So this question is in what forms must the GFE be provided? So the answer to this is, the GFE must be provided in written form, either on paper or electronically. Um, for example, electronically through the convening provider's patient portal or electronic mail or email. So they're saying email them. Wait a minute. What happened to the HIPAA problems, right? So is that not a HIPAA? Okay, maybe not. But I will tell you, there's a lot of dentists that are worried about stuff like that. You wouldn't want to just email like saying so-and-so needs a root canal and an implant or a denture to in a Gmail, right? Because without encryption, I mean, we've actually gone out of the way at our practice to buy encryption software to use. So maybe the encryption software company just lied to us and, you know, we shouldn't have worried about it. Um, and those rules are confusing anyway, but I will tell you, there's a lot of opinions. A lot of dentists feel strongly. You shouldn't do stuff like this, but here the government is giving us a new rule and saying, use email. Now it didn't say use unencrypted Gmail. It just said, use email. Maybe they're implying use encrypted email. I don't know. But once again, you have government agencies at odds with each other. Um, so anyway, um, if you email it, it says, uh, electronically must be provided in a manner that the uninsured or self-pay individual can save it and print it and must be provided and written using clear and understandable language and in a manner calculated to be understood by the average uninsured or self-pay individual. Well, okay. There's a lot of variability there. So are we talking about the average individual in Connecticut who went to MIT for college? and is married to a lawyer, or are we talking about the average individual where I live? You know, I mean, that's a different thing. That's a different thing. Uh, so we have to now figure out what's to be understood. I love the vagaries. Thank you, government. Once again, um, if the patient requests, you can do it over the phone, it says or in person, uh, but you must follow up with the paper or electronic copy in order to meet the regulatory requirement. Okay. So that is, uh, that is that, um, it's pretty crazy once again. Oh, there's another question. I'll just go through this one real quick. So do providers need to provide a GFE to uninsured individuals who have zero financial responsibility? And so you're thinking, okay, I'm not going to charge them anything. Maybe I'm just re-cementing the crown that I did that came off four years ago, and I just feel like doing it for free. And the answer they give you here is yes. 
All uninsured or self-pay individuals who schedule items or services or request an estimate must be provided that GFE. It's required even if the individual has no estimated financial responsibility because the actual bill charges for the items or services is not guaranteed to be zero. And a GFE is required to initiate the patient provider dispute resolution process if there's a $400 greater than the estimate disparity. Okay. Um, so if even if it's for free, it looks like you got to give them a, hey, it's going to be free estimate. Okay, great. Um, and this is a good one. How can providers or facilities provide the GFE when the underlying complexity of an individual condition is not yet known? Well, it says that uh, the GFE must include an itemized list of items or services grouped by each provider reasonably expected to be furnished for the primary item or service and items or services reasonably expected to be furnished in conjunction with the primary item or service. Um, and it, it, so I don't, that sounds a little confusing, honestly. Um, and it says, as discussed in the preamble, the interim final rule does not require the good faith estimate to include charges for unanticipated items or services that are not reasonably expected and that could occur due to unforeseen events. And like I said, once again, I don't know if pulping out is that or not. So I just, I don't know that that's been ruled on. Um, it says, however, HHS notes that the convening provider is required to provide the individual a new GFE if the convening provider uh, is anticipates or is notified of any changes in the scope of the GFE, um, such as anticipated changes to be to for expected items. Um, so I guess if you're if you find something at a later date, if you give them a GFE. You find something at a later date, basically, I think you just have to give them another one. Once again, I'm not a lawyer giving you legal advice. Uh, I'm not an accountant giving you financial information. I'm just saying I'm trying to read this government document the best of my ability. You guys can go look it up. Like I said, you should probably read this yourself. But anyway, um, What is the projected bur administrative burden to provide these GFEs to uninsured or self-pay individuals? The answer is the administrative burden of furnishing GFEs is likely to vary based on the number of individuals served by a particular provider or facility. No kidding. Basically, a little more time for your people that are making more than usual uh, these days and a little more paper, an extra piece of paper per person. Um, so anyway, that's that. It does apply to us. We're going to have to change the way we do things. Uh, it won't affect the way we diagnose. It won't affect the way we currently fill out our orange card treatment plan organizer. And uh, if any of you guys, I was going to real quick, I'll just tell you what we have on ours. The right side. So on the left side of our sheet, we have these, um, we have columns and rows. So let's go, let's do the row from left to right. In the left side, we put individually every single thing we're going to do. Like if we're doing a core and a crown, we on number nine, we do core core number nine, APC number nine. Then we come over to the right. This is for the front office. They have uh, in the row, they have, let's see, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten, 10 lines. Line one is estimate. So that's the total fee. Estimated insurance payment. Uh, we subtract that. Deductible, we subtract that. Then we have a line for credit slash debit. So if they have a credit or a debit on their account, we 
add or subtract that. Then we have a line for discount. If we're offering a discount of any kind, uh, we subtract that. Then that gives us the estimated patient's portion. Okay. So we, we put that in there. Uh, then, so that's how much we're, est- that's our good faith estimate, I suppose. Uh, then next we have FA financial agree, uh, financial arrangements. So we, you know, if it's expensive, the patients may have to make multiple payments. So we write out exactly what they're doing, three payments of two ninety seven or whatever it is. And, uh, then we have date. Then we have a line for staff initial. Because I want whoever uh, went over the money with the patient, the good faith estimate, I want them to go ahead and initial it themselves. So we'll know if there's a problem later who to talk to. And then the last line, we always have the patient sign it, signature. So we've been doing this a long time. I guess now we're just going to have to start making a photocopy and giving it to the patient uh, as a GFE, okay? I never have liked using Dentrix because, honestly, we're bad to leave artifacts in the software. And the, uh, the artifacts in the software cause a problem. Uh, and this is just faster. It allows us to do case treatments quicker. And uh, we're all about, you know, especially these days, doing more clinical efficiency and productivity. So anyway, so that is it. GFEs, good faith estimates. Welcome to the world of dentistry. Thank you, Mr. Government. We appreciate it. Uh, thanks for thanks for helping us watch out for all these patients that, you know, are getting taken advantage of, right? <laughs> all these mythological patients that the dentists have been taking advantage of all these years. So anyway, that's the news. Uh, that's enough news, right? And, uh, as we, and as we'll end this show, um, one more time, I'll tell you guys, just as a, uh, a fun note with, this has been my favorite year. I believe that, um, I've ever had communicating with dentists and, um, and doing lectures and stuff. And, and we're doing primarily 3D printing lectures now. We're, you know, we're doing Jackson, Mississippi next week. We're doing Tulsa, Oklahoma City. Um, we're about to schedule Birmingham and somewhere in the Panhandle of Florida. Anyway, so uh, we're just having a big time with 3D printing. Look, I honestly believe with the with the era of rising wages and the era of just difficulty getting uh, employees to work, you just need to go ahead and start putting robots in your building because it's going to need to come down to the fact where you need less staff. And honestly, the best way to do that is, um, is to get a 3d printer robot in there. Uh, I'm going to call it a robot because it is kind of, it is a robot. It takes the place of a, it really does take the place of a lot of the things that a, a person would have to do. So, um, if you're not yet into digital scanners or 3d printing, uh, we actually wrote a quiz and it should be on the homepage at uh, drchrisgriffin.com. If you want to go uh, take that quiz at the top of the page at drchrisgriffin.com. Uh, it, so it should tell you kind of if you're ready for 3D printing and if you are, if you know, and what level you're at. So we kind of we did a quiz and we had it sort of work out uh, on a scale of one to ten. So uh, anyway, that's it for me. Hope you guys have a great week. And let's hope no more uh, regulations come down from the government anytime soon. We'll see you later.